0: Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to start today's show with a topic that's on a lot of travelers' minds. How the heck can you travel as much as you want to, but still save money? With inflation, that has gotten very tough. So who better to help us on this topic than the frugal traveler from the New York Times? She is Elaine Glusack. Hey, Elaine, thank you so much for appearing once again on the Frommer Travel Show. Hi, Pauline. I'm so glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to talk to you. And, and you had what I thought was a really smart article recently, talking about the fact that it's not just about methods of travel. When you want to save money, you can save by going to smart destinations, destinations that, that may be a little bit off the beaten path. In fact, uh, they're, they're being called destination dupes right now. Tell us a little
1: bit about that term. Yeah, destination dupes um, seems to be something that cropped up on, on TikTok, and Expedia called it out in its uh, 2024 uh, travel trends for the year. And dupes meaning duplicates. So this whole idea that you can, uh, let's say you want to go to Paris, you're in love with Paris and the French culture. Well, you know, Paris is expensive or it can be. So maybe you want to look for a Francophone culture somewhere else. You know, you might think about Canada and Quebec. Right now, the American dollar is, you know, you're getting about a third off every time you go to Canada. So this whole idea of looking for the experience that you seek in one destination and finding it in another that may
0: be less traveled um, and offer more value. Right. All right. So let's start with the exchange rate. Thank goodness the dollar is still pretty darn strong. And so you said Canada. How much do you save if you go to Canada compared to staying in the United States?
1: I, I think Canada is is just a, a vast land, as everyone knows, of tremendous value. I think the exchange rate is about 133. Um, I didn't check it this morning, but it's about a third off. So think about it. If you're getting like a hundred dollar hotel room, maybe that's like seventy, you know. Or wait, I'm sorry, I'm bad at math. No.
0: Sixty. <laughs> Don't tell me. No, somebody. it's a thirty three percent discount, roughly. Right,
1: exactly. So yeah. you know you might see prices similar to the U S., but again, you know you're getting a. Th- it's like it's like everything's on sale, a third off. So there's. You you right.
0: suggested some some parts of Canada that I've never heard people talk about before, and I'm hoping I'm going to pronounce this right. Penticton, Penticton.
1: That's exactly right, Penticton. It's a really beautiful region in the Okanagan Valley, which is very little known I think outside of Canada. It is in southern British Columbia and it's their wine growing region and they 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 grow
0: some beautiful wines there. And No, I'm I'm assuming these are not full bodied reds because it pretty far north. These must be whites and lighter reds. Actually you'd be very surprised. They have some very rich reds down there. It's a desert, um actually.
1: Huh. So they have this microclimate that allows them to to grow some of these more robust wines around the town of Kalauna. But Penticton is a great base for sort of seeing the entire region. There's some really wonderful cycling trails. One is called the, the Kettle Valley Rail Trail and it's uh-huh. extremely scenic. And then there's all kinds of water sports, but then you can visit wineries and, you know, tastings are like $10 Canadian. So, you Amazing. know. Amazing. Wow. off that, you know, and then probably if you buy a bottle, they
0: take that off. So right. a lot of value there. And uh, so we go from the northern border to the southern one. You also suggest going to Mexico. And that what? is, I didn't realize this. You say that thirty three million Americans visited Mexico last year. I I love Mexico. I often recommend Mexico, but I always get the pushback, oh, is it safe? Can you go there? For the most part, is it fair to say that the places in Mexico that Americans go are safe?
1: I think so. The you know, if you're thinking about if you think about the places where Americans love to go, Cabo San Lucas, the Lower Baja, the the Caribbean coast. Sure. Um, those places are, they're fine. You know, the U.S. State Department issues warnings on areas that you, you know, shouldn't go that are, they consider more dangerous because of, because of crime, sure. uh, but that's not the entire country. And as you point out, like, you know, it is the number one foreign tourism destination for Americans. So lots and lots and lots of people are going there. And I, I, I called out the the state of Nayarit, which is, for those who are not familiar, it's on the Pacific coast and it is just north of Puerto Vallarta, which is pretty well known. And there's some really lovely little towns up there. I think if anyone knows it, they may know of the surfing town of Sayulita, um, which is a
0: really I sweet. I've been. It's fun. It's a, it's a blast. And I don't even surf.
1: Yeah, I took a lesson and it was so affordable and so fun. Um, and the waves are really gentle, so I was able to actually get up. Um, <laughs> there's the, um, offshore, there's, a, there's a, a couple of islands called Islas Marias that were a former penal colon, colony that the government is trying to adapt into a sort of ecotourism destination so like the former barracks or i should say cells have been quite nicely renovated so they're they're very comfortable accommodations oh. And you sort of buy this package where you go over by ferry, and then you stay you stay in this the former prison, which I know sounds awful, but it's actually very nice. Um, <laughs> and then you go on excursions to see like some amazing wildlife. They have some rare species there, and whale sharks go there too. So you might be able to see them if you go in the right season.
0: Wow. Well, whale sharks. We should say I've I've swum with whale sharks. They are not. Sharks, in the classic sense, they are filter feeders, so they don't have big menacing teeth. They, they're they not going to bite you. They, they they filter in small animals, and, and they're incredible looking. They're, they're often the size of a, a school bus and spotted, so they're cute. That's yeah. a good point to make.
1: Yeah, they're just really enormous and, and really fun to to sort of see without any threat.
0: Yes. All right. Now, there was a shocker in your article you recommended in place of Paris, Cleveland or Indianapolis. Uh, uh, God bless Cleveland and Indianapolis. I don't think those cities have ever been compared to Paris before.
1: I hope they're (laughs) flattered. flattered. Um, Well, in this case, I was really singling out the Olympics. I think, you know, there's been a lot of reporting that the Olympics in Paris, the prices are already crazy. And, you know, and that's great. I would I've personally never been to an Olympics. I would love to go sometime. Um, they're
0: amazing. I've been to two. It's worth the money. It's they it's incredible to be in a place with such a feeling of world unity. Just the joy at an Olympics is palpable. I thought I was in China and I was in London, but sorry for that. Oh no, that's that's no. that's
1: wonderful. Great memories. I um yeah, so there's a couple of events this summer, the sporting events. Um so if people wanted to get that sort of like, you know, get their cheer on. I thought it might be fun for people to go to Indianapolis, which is holding the, the US swim team trials. Um, hmm. You know, so you're going to get like the whole family atmosphere of everyone cheering for their son or daughter. And you know what? Everyone wins because they're all Americans. So if, you want, you're, if you're on Team America, it's all good. Um, yeah. But you get to see some of those athletes that will appear, appear in Paris for a fraction um, of the cost. I think the tickets start around $55 there. Right. And what about Cleveland? And so Cleveland has this really interesting event called the Pan American Masters Games. So these are amateur athletes like you or I, and they compete in categories, um, I, I think it's over 30 to plus a hundred. So there's huh. you know different age categories, but it's everything, you know, like archery, you know, pickleball, stand-up paddling, but then like classic uh Olympic sports like curling and track and field. So again, you're gonna have that great group sense of event and and lots of fun um, seeing all these, you know, top athletes who are not know, professionals, right. you know,
0: engage yeah. in competition. No, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. Now, I love the fact that you define wellness here from a mental point of view that, you know, I, I, we've been all reading about the fact that there is an epidemic of loneliness and people who are lonely tend to live less uh, long than people who are, uh, ha- have social communities. And so people are turning to wellness to fight loneliness. H- how does that work?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of evidence that tending to your mental health or your, your physical wellness leads to better mental health outcomes. And in the sort of Japanese tradition, the idea of the onsen or the hot spring. Is to bring people not just to you know bathe in these soothing hot waters, but also to bring people together and to be social. And this whole idea of being social as supporting your your mental well being, your sense of connection to others, and your feeling about community is improved by going to these hot springs. So I suggested that people sort of look in our own backyard. We have tons of hot springs, and and so does Canada, by the way. If you want a third off, and I singled out um, Glenwood Hot Springs, which is in Glenwood Springs. Uh, Colorado which is about 40 miles north of Aspen in the Rockies very beautiful destination and there's this very historic sort of 19th century hot spring with a giant pool and they're expanding this year um, I've been several times and it's a really wonderful um, wonderful warm you know beautiful setting but there's all kinds of people there families you know older folks you really get this sense of being with you know the entire not the entire state of Colorado, but certainly right. all kinds of people that visit it, which is really fun.
0: Yeah, I, I last summer, or maybe it was the summer before, I took a road trip to Redwoods National Park, and along the way there are hot springs. And as we were bathing, it had never occurred to me what a social thing this was. People just started chatting with one another, and uh, yeah, it was it was really really fun. All right. Final destinations. And you you suggest in California, Modesto, California for cherry blossoms. You also talk about different places to get deep into nature that will be fairly affordable. One is New Mexico. Uh, What what do people see and do in nature in, in New Mexico?
1: Wow, well, New Mexico I feel is so somehow so overlooked in terms of nature. It is it has tremendous wilderness spaces, including the first ever national national wilderness area that was ever designated. It's called the Gila. Looks like Gila, G I L A wilderness area, and it is celebrating its um centennial this year. Huh. And it's in southern New Mexico, so quite quite you know, you're gonna drive maybe a couple hours south of Albuquerque. Very beautiful mountainous areas, woods, tremendous hiking. There's something like 800 miles of hiking trails there. Wow! Um, It was established by the visionary conservationist, Leo Aldo Leopold. And he set it aside really for the wilderness uh, to function as a system to allow creatures to grow and thrive there. So I think you, you, you might have an opportunity to see some wildlife and it's all very, very affordable. You can stay in the town of Truth or Consequences, which is a hot springs town. So you get that social aspect.
0: That's a hilarious name. What, did that come from the the TV show, or or was it, it did, prior? It did, it did. To, yeah,
1: it like I think there was like a contest where you know the TV show like challenged someone a town to change its name.
0: Oh my and goodness! They would
1: come and film there, and
0: they did it. <laughs> wow, that's really funny. All right, before we leave this topic, though, you aren't saying that we have to stay in North America to have an affordable vacation this year. You do mention some places in Europe where your dollar will go far, where costs on the ground just happen to be lower. So where in Europe do we go to have a cost-effective vacation?
1: Yeah, I singled out Poland, but I think a lot of sort of what, what we think of as Eastern European, like a Romania or something, might be a good place to look for good value. And there's a lot happening in Poland. They have a new museum opening. There's a lot happening in the if you're into politics on the democratic front. So people, you know, it's sort of like look beyond, I would say, the, the Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, sort of, you know, romantic uh-huh. countries and sort of look a little bit east. And I think you'll probably find a
0: lot, lot more value. Yeah. As someone who's been to Poland, it's a surprise what they have there. I mean, you're still going to get, you go to Krakow, you're going to get a castle, you're going to get cobblestone streets, you're going to get incredible markets filled with artisanal goods. It it, it doesn't look like the bleak post-Soviet landscape that you might expect. It has a lot of what Western Europe is famous for, and yet it's less expensive. Deep language barrier, though, I found.
1: (laughs) True enough turn up but you know what honestly google translate for me on my phone has really helped me like wow. overcome
0: that it's amazing wow well well on that happy note i will say thank you so much for appearing today on the fromer travel show oh it was great to talk to you thanks for having me Our next guest is going to talk about cheating in travel. Well, kind of. It's something I always considered cheating, but maybe I have to rethink it. He is Craig Stoltz. He just wrote a fabulous article for us on Fromers.com about e-bikes and how they are being used more and more for cycling vacations. Hey, Craig, welcome to the Frommer Travel Show.
2: Hi, Pauline. It's great to be here, and it's great to talk about one of my favorite travel subjects.
0: Well, you know, I am a, an avid cyclist, actually. I, I bike all over New York City. If it's less than two miles, I hop on my bike, uh, and that's how I get a lot of my exercise. And I guess that's why I, I bristle, at the idea of e-bikes, it just seems like cheating. I mean, why would you do that when you could actually get the exercise? But there are some studies I think that show that that having an e-bike might allow you to exercise more. Right?
2: That's correct. I was going to say you kind of set a two-mile limit. If it's within two miles, I'll ride. Right. With yeah. an e-bike, you could say within ten miles. Wow! Because it's. Uh, Uh, It's so much easier to ride. You could cover more distance. And yes, you get a similar amount of exercise, 10 miles on an e-bike versus two miles without. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physiologist. But uh, I believe that you're getting just as much exercise. And the thing is, you don't have to turn on the assistance you can. There are many times when I turn it off because I want to get, you know, the full exercise benefits of riding. Now an e-bike tends to be heavier. So you're riding a heavy bike. So in fact, it's working harder, but then I, uh, I add the assistance. It just makes it easier. And let me say when I'm traveling, it's so much better because I don't have my nose to the handlebars. I'm not bent over. I could, uh, sit back you're on a hybrid you could see everything and you're not distracted by um, your exhaustion or the pain in your thighs or uh, or even you know your heart rate because I... you because you could just sit back and look my wife and I went biking uh, e-biking in Tuscany we did it in Costa Rica we've done it in California Portugal Wow. And you are really enjoying the environment so much more because you're just not having to work so hard. So I, uh, I don't consider it cheating. It would certainly be cheating in a race. It would certainly be be cheating if you're feeling competitive, but if you're just trying to enjoy an environment and be able to explore it more, more fully, an e-bike really is the way to go.
0: And it's become the way to go for many bike uh, bike tour companies you started your article with a startling statistic tell us about backroads and their journey with e-biking
2: backroads is one of the leaders in cycling tours and cycling tours until the past few years have really been for people who are serious recreational bikers people who want to get their miles in people who are Bandex and clunky shoes. <laughs> That's a, 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 an elite sort of group. So that was always uh, the target audience for, or I should say, the inevitable audience for a company like Backroads and VBT, another company that does that. Right. So that
0: started group. out, I should say, VBT started out as Vermont Bicycle Touring, but then they started adding in the entire world, so they became a meaningless collection of uh, consonants.
2: Yes. Yeah. They're all over the place. Anyway, uh, Backroads in 2013 decided, you know, there's this novelty of e-bikes. Let's see if anybody wants them. And uh, they actually, it was an upcharge. You had to pay more. Huh. And uh, now within 10 years.
0: So how many, how many bikes did they start with? They started with like maybe 40 or so.
2: They started with 150. Uh-huh um, in all their various locations, so they had a few in some locations uh and now they have uh forty five hundred Wow, and it's the majority of their fleet and a majority huh. of their riders now use e bikes and they offer them in ninety percent of their itineraries huh. so within ten years, their business has really shifted and let me tell you something funny. My wife just got back from a trip in Portugal um I said that we had uh Uh, biked in Portugal. Not entirely true. She biked in Portugal. (laughs) I didn't get to go to that one. And she said that at the beginning of the 14 people, 12 of them chose e-bikes. So it was largely an e-bike tour. Right. The second day, one of the holdouts chose an e-bike. Only one person who used what is now called an acoustic bike To mean bikes that are not electric, only one of the 14 people chose that. And again, I think it's because if you're doing it for the purpose of touring, if you're going from hotel to hotel, you're going from castle to restaurant. Right. You want to be able to enjoy it. Yes, you want to get some exercise along the way, which is why you've chosen to take an active tour. Uh, you you don't want to work that hard. Yeah, you want to be able to have a glass of wine at that winery <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and be able to continue to ride because it doesn't sap your strength.
0: Right. Well, you you make the point in the article that this has shifted the demographics of who is doing this type of vacation. It used to be that if you were over, say. I don't know 5560 this was not a trip you chose and now a lot of seniors are able to do it people who don't bike regularly are able to do it so it it really has shifted it what also blew my mind in your article was what it what are they doing with the helmets i thought this was fascinating
2: there is a touring company in seattle i uh, talked to the uh, the owner and he has introduced an intercom system, so that the tour guide, so you could hear the tour guide as you go past the castle or the house. Well, there aren't castles in Seattle, let me say. You go past the wetland or you go past um, uh, the the bay or, you know, wherever is a neighborhood. Sure. You're, You're hearing a tour guide as you ride. So that really makes it so that you're getting a lot uh, from the travel experience, you have right. the benefit of, ha- of having a guide while you're moving, while you're getting exercise, while you're really in an environment. It is so much better than touring by car or, or touring by bus. Right. Your desire is really to connect with a place and to have the added benefit of being able to hear a tour guide, who can sort of annotate as you go. That's just what a wonderful way to tour.
0: I thought that was a real innovation. So that's only in Seattle right now.
2: I spoke with a guy in Seattle and it's funny. I spoke with another tour operator, um, in Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island, where they take you to those gorgeous mansions. Yeah. And he said, he was aware of it. Um, he said, Many of his colleagues in the industry are considering it because it is so potentially powerful. He said it's really expensive and they're going to have to charge more for the tours. So he hasn't made the move yet. But I, it sounds like just having talked to these two, that is something that might increasingly be offered.
0: Yeah. How great. I thought that was so smart. Now, the thing about bike tours that a lot of people don't know is you are not carrying your, your clothes for the week on your back. There is a wagon that accompanies the cyclist. So if you get too tired, it's called the sag wagon. You can sag in the wagon. And uh, the crazy thing about bike tours, I've always thought, is you work all day long, cycling, 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 to burn off those calories, and then you sit down to a 10-course meal. Uh, often these, these ones have really these types of vacations have, have really high-end luxurious meal options and housing options there are there are more middle of the road and, and less expensive bike tours too but the companies you've been talking with they're pretty pricey right
2: They are yes yes um, and they do offer um, at least four-star hotels right uh, and uh, the restaurants tend to be the better restaurants They're not Michelin Stars. And uh, they're not five-star hotels, but they're they're pretty uh, pretty high up there. So it's it is a very comfortable vacation. I got to tell you that yes, you do feel like you've had a workout at the end of the day. You've had physical exercise, uh, and it's so nice to just have your luggage waiting for you. Uh, and yeah, it's it's just it's a wonderful way to travel. You know, the, uh, the hardcore biking tours, you may know as a cyclist that there are still tours for much more serious bikers where they have panniers and um, the, those bags, the saddle bags on inside right. side of your back wheels, and uh, you carry your stuff. So you don't have much room to carry stuff and you bring sure. it yourself from place to place.
0: And there's know? something in between too. I actually did a bike tour with a company called Cyclevents. It's a, a less expensive European-based company. And we were biking through, the, through Catalonia in Spain. And uh, we were independent. We weren't with a group. Uh, so they gave us a map in those days. This was maybe a decade ago. And we went from Hilltown to Hilltown. And our luggage was delivered for us because you know what took us all day to bike took maybe half an hour in a car. And uh, it was a wonderful way to see the Spanish countryside, I got to say. Now, you make the point that if you want to do this type of travel and you own an e-bike, you probably can't use your own bike for it. Why is that?
2: It has nothing to do with the bike. You could always ship a bike. People do that all the time. And in fact, sure. when we took pre-motorized, uh, pre-electric uh, VBT tours, there are a lot of people who ship their bike. It's shipping the battery. They're mm. lithium ion batteries, which are prohibited in, in luggage. Uh, you can't pack them. And that's because they have been known to start fires and fires on airplanes. So they are prohibited. You know how when you uh, buy a ticket online, you get that screen that says prohibited things, including guns and so on. Well, yeah. one of the things there along with the guns is uh, uh, lithium ion batteries because of the fire risk. So now uh, you can take lithium ion batteries in your carry-on, but a, li- uh, a uh, an e-bikes battery tends to be more than 300 watts, which oh exceeds the limit of what you could take in a carry-on.
0: Huh.
2: There are workarounds, there are delivery companies where you could have your battery delivered to your place, but even they have special restrictions. Generally speaking, you're really going to have to do a lot of uh, figuring out and negotiating and working around to get your e-bike battery to your destination. Ha! Huh. So, for the most part, you're much better off just uh, renting a bike there, going with it and uh, enjoying the ride
0: and and the the quality of the bikes that you're going to rent either from just a local company or from one of these big names like I don't know VBT or backroads these are good quality bikes you don't have to worry about that because I would think you know something that that has electrical components, if it doesn't work well that you're going to get screwed up.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, we have uh, toured only with the VBT, and I will say the bikes have been really high quality. You mentioned the sag wagon before, which uh, yeah. used to be purely for picking up stragglers. Now they carry extra batteries in huh. case there's a problem with batteries. And uh, the uh, the guides and mechanics are not just bike mechanics now; they're e bike mechanics, so they know how to handle the electrical systems. So uh, they are high quality in terms of the frame and the feel and so on, but right. they they also support um, the electric components.
0: Yeah, well, I was so glad that we we had this article on Fromers.com dot com because I think it's going to open up a new way of traveling to you know a whole group of of folks who didn't think they could do this in the past. Uh, so thank you for writing that article and thank you for appearing on the Fromer Travel Show.
2: Happy to do it, Pauline.
0: So I wanted to end today's show with a big thank you to all of the listeners to this podcast who have been coming out to the travel and adventure shows and saying, hello, it's been such a delight to meet all of you. I I, I've really been stunned uh, by how many of you are, are coming out. So I will be in Phoenix in two weeks the 17th and 18th of February at the Phoenix Convention and Convention Center. Yeah, it's not the Convention and Adventure Center. It's the Travel and Adventure Show at the Convention Center in Phoenix. I will be speaking in the afternoon on both dates. I'm not sure what time. It'll be on the website travelshows.com, and when you go there, You should also get tickets using my secret code, which is Fromer's VIP. If you use that for advanced tickets, you get in free. Unfortunately, you can't just shout it at the door. You have to get advanced tickets for it to work. So that's the 17th and 18th of February. Then the weekend after that, I will be appearing at the Washington, D.C. Travel and Adventure Show, again in the afternoons. Again, you can use that code. And then in late March, I want to say, I think it's the 22nd and 23rd, or it might be the 23rd and 24th, I'll be in Dallas for my last travel and adventure show of the season. So please come out. It it just warms my heart to meet you all, to get to have such great conversations with my fellow adventurers. And, uh... If you're not able to come out, I thank you still for listening to this podcast. And may I say to those who are traveling, here's a hearty bon voyage. Talk with you soon.